Hey guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Voltron Talk. How are you guys doing? So, in today's episode, we're going to discuss phones. It's a thing that I don't do much because I'm not a reviewer, so I do not have tons of phones lying around, which means that I, I, I'm really stuck to one phone, like one smartphone, which is my mainly, sorry, my main daily driver, the OnePlus 7 Pro. But today we're going to talk about, as you've probably guessed from the title of today's episode, we're going to talk about phone, phone brands or phone, in this case we can call them phone divisions of companies that have gone to die. What do I mean by that? I mean that these three companies that I'm going to talk about today were a big part of the, I would say, early age to middle age of the smartphone market because they were big they had the they had customers they had they had the customer base they were pushing they were doing innovation in in a specific case the first one that we're going to discuss there was innovation and the other two brands were very well known brands in the android smartphone sphere of market but now two of them are dead one of them is still sort of alive, but it's basically a shadow of its former self. So let's just start by the recent announcement that the first company that we're going to talk about, LG, did on April the 5th, 2021. So last month, on April 5th, they have announced that LG's phone division will shut down forever. So what does that mean? It means no more LG smartphones. It, this has sort of generated two answers from the community. Uh, the, there was a part of the community which was saddened by the loss of such a big and innovative brand uh, uh, in, the, in the smartphone market. And then the other part of the community was just like, wait, is LG still making phones nowadays? So yeah, LG decided to shut down its phone business. Why? Well, mostly because it wasn't really gaining any profits anymore from it and spending huge amounts of money in research and development wasn't really fruitful for them. So they just decided, hey, let's cut off the arm and shut everything down. Why is LG famous in the Android smartphone market? Uh, because it was a, a very inno innovative company. Uh, when they came in the market, in the phone market, well, I mean in the smartphone market, because they were part of the feature phone uh, market back in the day. They were big and they just, you know, started to pump up innovations and put these innovations inside those phones or devices that they shipped to the public. And in some cases, of course, they had a massive success, while on others, not so much. I have here a bunch of, uh, of innovations that LG has, let's say, came up, come up with in the, um, in the smartphone business. And let's start by saying that LG was the first company to launch a phone with a capacitive touchscreen, which was a big thing back in 2006. It was the LG KE850 Prada. 
and back in the day touch screens were becoming a thing but they were uh, mostly resistive touch screens which means that it was reacting to pressure while capacitive touch screens react to the electricity in your fingertips and they are much more precise so I would probably say that 99.999% of the devices that have a touch screen right now use a capacitive technology it's just because it's more efficient it's much more precise and uh, it was just the way to go so the first one with the c capacitive touch screen goes to LG with the KE850 product in 2006 then they announced they launched the first phone able to do to capture slow motion videos which was the LG KU990 VUT that, that name is very weird Launched in 2007. Okay, it was uh, 240p at 120 frames per second. Very, 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 very like low quality kind of slow motion shots. But still, it was a first. Slow motion videos. Then they were the first phone to come up with a double camera setup. The LG Optimus 3D in 2007. Which was more of um, a hype up kind of... a. 3D, it was jumping on the 3D hype train. Same thing that did HTC with the Evo 3D. And I think the Evo 3D supported as well a dual, dual camera setup. But for, I think it was for the same reason because they, with these two uh, with the, these two sensors, uh, you were able to shoot 3D photos in a way. I don't know, like 3D technology has changed in the, in the last years, last few years. So I'm not really... I do not really have that much of a that much knowledge into what comes to 3D, uh, like in, in like 3D in terms of um, viewing content and, sh and stuff like that. Uh, so probably in this case, one camera was set up uh, as the third of the left eye, and the other camera was set as the right eye. So they were offset because that's how how our um our like the human eye works. They are not, like the two these like our two eyes are not are not set like they're not <laughs> symmetrically set and you can see only one like a, a sir, one type of thing in the left eye one type of thing in the right eye the, the brain just like mesh, meshes these things together and you get a picture like an image in your head like you can see stuff like that so no Japanese three D was the first phone to come up with a dual camera setup. The first phone to came up to come up with a 29 by 9 aspect ratio screen. It was not one of the Sony's um, new Xperia's. Uh, I think it was 2017 when they came up with the with that sort of like Xperia like 21 by 9 uh, phone with a 4K display. Uh, if I remember correctly, For, it was either 2017 or 2018. I don't remember. But actually, that was not the first phone coming up with a um, 21 by 9 aspect ratio screen. The first phone to come up with a 29 by 9, 21 by 9, sorry, aspect ratio screen was by LG and it was the LG Chocolate. It was a very premium kind of phone, uh, very expensive for the time being in 2009, but it had this 21 by 9 aspect ratio kind of thing, which was insane for the time. And I think the screen was like a 3, 3.2, inch screen so very small uh but so very small and very tall 
So there was that. Now we're getting into the boom, let's say the booming industry, like the booming times of the Android phones, where many manufacturers just jump in and uh, the market just grew larger and larger. And we have in 2012, the first phone shipping with a dual core processor it was from LG. It was the LG Optimus 4X HD, HD standard for the HD screen. And uh, very, 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 very innovative kind of stuff. Uh, dual core processors were not a thing uh, around that time. Most of the phones that released back in the day, they had either like a single core processor or so very low power uh, CPUs. And the first Snapdragon, which was the first dual core processor, which was the Snapdragon, the Qualcomm Snapdragon S4 Pro was in the LG Optimus 4X HD. And now we get onto the first widely available smartphone with a quad HD screen. So 14 by uh, 1440p, which was the LG G3, which is now like to this day, the best selling LG smartphone ever. My brother had an LG G3 and it was a very good device. Very, very good device, not gonna lie. Very, like a very, very complete device. It had everything that you asked for. It had like features that were, I was very jealous about at the time. For example, the double tap to wake, which is a feature that pretty much every smartphone now has. It was implemented in the, I think it was in the G2, but the G3 was the evolution of the G2 and had like much more, it was more capable, it was more responsive. So the LG G3, first smartphone with a quad HD screen, widely available at the market, to the market. And probably it was because they had discovered how to produce quad HD screens, quad HD displays, sorry, uh, in a cheaper in a cheaper way. So that's why they were able to uh, able to sell these many phones with a quad HD screen. Back at the time, like back back then, a quad HD on a on a device like this was a pretty big thing. So there were like, there weren't even like quad HD monitors at the time, which were worth the money uh, to get. So there was that. And two years later, LG kept on innovating, launching the LG G5, which was mostly infamous for being a modular smartphone uh, with a bunch of modules that uh, you could like swap and the thing was very comp. It wasn't complicated, but it was pretty tedious because uh, to remove basically the modules were attaching to the chin of your phone, and there was the battery. Back in the day, where when removable batteries were still thing, you basically had to remove the chin of your phone, which in turn removed the battery, and then you had to swap the chin with the the the, the accessory uh, that uh, LG had, and then you had to place the battery in the in the chin put it back in and then you had the you had the the let's say you, you had the module installed so but that was not that was that's not the reason why um the g5 is in this list but the reason why it's in this list it's because it was the first widely available smartphone with a dual camera setup that we like the, the, the sort of multiple camera setup that we know today. So the LG G5 sported a 16 megapixel 
normal. Uh, I don't recall. I don't really know exactly what was the aperture. I think it was a one point f one point six aperture, sixteen megapixel, like a normal um, sensor, and it had a eight megapixel wide angle lens at one hundred and twenty degrees of field of view, which was very 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 um, innovative back then because back then like the only phone if I remember correctly the only smartphone that released with a sort of proper dual camera setup was the HTC One M8 in 2014 that had a dual uh, dual camera setup but it wasn't a typical dual camera setup it was used to the second sensor was used to capture more detail so the image that you would you'd have shot with your with the two sensors you were taking like something from the first sensor something from the second sensor mush them together and you had like a more detailed picture in this case this was the dual camera setup that we know today uh, a normal uh sensor and a either like a telephoto lens or a wide angle lens in my um in my case for example with the oneplus 7 pro i have three uh lens setup a telephoto, a wide angle, and a normal um, lens. So that was the beginning of multi-camera setups on smartphones. Then we have the first phone with two screens, quote unquote, I would put screens loosely in here, which was the LG G20, uh, sorry, the LG V20 in 2016, which had a secondary line, I would say on top of the, on top of the display, where you could set some hotkeys, like some hot apps that you can like switch on the fly. And it wasn't really that popular, but the LG V series was more like a vlogger kind of, like a series of device focused on on vloggers and things like that. So more focused on on camera usage rather than performance. And that secondary screen uh, was used also on the camera, like in the camera app to Add a bunch of options in there so and the last thing that i wanted to point on this innovations is the first widely available phone with a 18 by 9 aspect ratio so the normal aspect ratio that phones nowadays have which is the lg g6 which was a really good device back then in 2017. so lg was and i don't really know if still is i mean in the divisions that they have now on, it's pretty hard to say, but they were pushing the envelope to in, in when it came to uh, putting more out there kind of stuff into their devices. Well, uh, honorable mentions would be the LG G Flex, the first flexible smartphone, which wasn't really that much of a success because, well, it, like since it was flexing on like, um on its on its i would say flexing on the x-axis so basically you had your phone sort of wobbling so if you like i think that i do quite often is that i put my phone on desk and like texting and detecting and stuff like that in that case it would just like wobble terribly because part of your phone was just like raising up like and you the full wobble and was like it was a bad idea but also in the g flex they were they have basically um they have basically uh it had a plastic back which was 
self-healing, meaning that if you would scratch the phone, these micro-scratches could, like, absorb themselves in a way, which was really cool. But still, the device didn't really take off because, well, it was, let's say, shaped wrongly. And another thing that they've added in the G8, so last year it was the vein kind of reader. Basically, your your front-facing camera could read your veins in a way. And, uh, it, well, I don't know. That was, like, probably the last resort. They just, like, throw they just thrown that into the mix. But it was a weird thing. Uh, and also, yeah, they, they, were, they were working with gestures. And, like, air gestures. That didn't really go well. But why... LG failed, like the phone division. Uh, well, the causes of failure were probably two. The figure, the, like the hardship of standing out in this overcrowded smartphone market, where where nowadays the big names are are kind of different. You know, there's still Samsung. You have Huawei, Xiaomi, OnePlus. You know, probably they didn't keep up in that pace in that sense. They're like behind, and also their naming convention is sort of crazy. Uh, they had the G series, they had the V series, now they switched from the V series, now they have the Velvet, but it's not like a proper flagship smartphone. Uh, and um, then they had like, it was complicated. Then they decided to add thank you, the, the thank you moniker in every kind of device from the G6 onwards. It's the G6 thank you, the G7 thank you. Probably because they were trying to uh, market their AI in a way, but it didn't really work. So, after that, well, LG decided, hey, it's not worth to spend money on this. Just let's just close this thing down. And sad to see, rest in peace, LG phone division. What's LG doing up to now? Well, mostly they're pushing their TV and appliances division. So, probably LG is now most famous for their OLED TVs. Very good, by the way. Not gonna lie. But still, it's sad to see them go to be honest it was really sad to see them go so we discussed lg now let's talk about another big brand very big brand back in the early days of android which was htc well htc didn't close down its phone division is so on very weirdly and their phones are very like run-of-the-mill average nowadays but it's basically a shadow roots for myself. Well, HTC was known for the early days of Android. They were the the, the, the name bearer of the Android a smartphone back in the day, back in the early days after the iPhone released and it took the world by storm. Uh, they were known for the HD, the Desire, Wildfire, and Evo line back in the early days of Android. They were also famous for their Sense UI. Um, the sort of very stylish kind of uh, user interface, um, Android skin, we can call it now, back in the day, uh, which was very, very cool. And I remember like dreaming about having an HTC smartphone for the longest of time. Well, they are also known for bringing the quote-unquote Facebook phones, the Salsa and the Cha-Cha in 2011. Uh, they had a partnership with Facebook to released their like a phone that was really connected within Facebook and uh, it flopped badly, terribly, uh, I would say that. They were also like fairly cheaply priced around, I think it was 
Uh, the cha-cha was priced at $99 and the salsa $149. Uh, but I had to, don't quote me on that, I had to check it. And of course, they are famous for their one series. Starting from the one, the one X, the God back in the day when the one X was in 2012, that was my dream phone. I wanted a HTC one X so bad, so bad. Didn't materialize, but well, I had an HTC, an HTC phone still in 2012, but it was crap. So forget about that. But the HTC one series still kept on going until 2016 with the HTC One M10, and then it was a downhill. Uh, they released uh, a terrible phone, which was the HTC U Ultra, super expensive and very terrible. And they made headlines a few years ago, I think, uh, when they launched the HTC Exodus One, which was the first blockchain-powered smartphone. If you don't know what's blockchain, I would highly suggest to go and check out the last episode of Watch Your Talk. Was it the last episode? Yeah, the last episode of Watch Your Talk where I talk about cryptocurrencies and NFTs, which are all connected to the blockchain. So check that out and come back here. No, well, sorry, you don't really have to do that. So that's why HTC was a big name in the smartphone market. But now, after the debacle that was the U Ultra, they just decided to slip under the radar and just sell very few phones and very average ones. So it was a very, very hefty tumble down for the company. And well, what's HTC up to now? Well, they are mainly working with Valve on their Vive headset. So in 2015, I think, HTC launched the Vive, the first, uh, well, it was in collaboration with Valve, uh, their um, headset for virtual reality. And uh, that was a pretty good success. I mean, um, nowadays, if you go to any sort of VR park, uh, because those are a thing, uh, the headsets, the, the headset choice is the HTC Vive. But of course, now Valve is working on their own, like, uh, VR headset, the Valve Index, and uh, I'm curious to see, to, to, to check it out, but, well, nowadays, uh, HTC is just working, it's just mainly pushing the VR, um, the VR side of things, so there is that. And the third and final brand that I'm going to talk about today is Sony, because Sony had a mobile division, and in April, and in April, like, <laughs> And on April 1st, 2021, they announced that Sony Mobile was going to close for good. And sad, very sad, because the Xperia series back in the day was a pretty decent line of phones. They had very, very good phones uh, across the board, you know, from their low-end entries up until the up to the high-end smartphones. So... Yeah, I mean, it's very sad to see them go. And well, for mobile, Sony, what's known for? Yeah, well, as I said, the experiences which run for 13 years, from 2000, from 20, uh, sorry, for 2008, from from 2008 until 2021, with the final Xperia 1 Mark III. Now they had like a weird naming convention. Like they had the, their main, the flagship phone for Sony was the Xperia 1, and they didn't change the name. They just added Mark II, Mark III, 
which is a thing that you do for cameras, but not for smartphones. It makes it makes naming so terrible, and you are like, and people get confused. So, the Xperia series, and they were famous for launching the PlayStation phone, the Sony Xperia Play, back in 2009, which is a really cool concept. But of course, it didn't really take off, and uh, it was a pretty expensive deal. So, there, that that's really sad, of course. Probably they were trying to dip their toes into Android to then push for the um, PlayStation Vita, which was a handheld console powered by Android, but it was a custom version of Android, so you could run like PS Vita games. It was a bit weird, but nonetheless, a, 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 I would say a unfortunate end for for that console and an unfortunate end for uh, Sony for the Sony Mobile division, which was bought from Ericsson, the Swedish manufacturer, which was Sony Ericsson back in then, and like they were acquired. So back then it was Sony Ericsson that they just like um, they just integrated everything into Sony Mobile, and that is it. So Sony Xperia I mean. The last Xperia phone that released was the, I think it was the, yeah, I think it was the Xperia 1 Mark III, but there was another very high-end um, Sony smartphone that it was basically the Xperia 1 Mark III, but it had, on top of that, it had a mini HDMI port that was used to connect your smartphone to a Sony camera and you could use your smartphone as a camera display for your high-end Sony camera. Well, that phone was about $3,000. Cool, very cool, but it was more of a professional tool than a smartphone that people at your average Joe could buy and use. So there is that. But what's Sony up to now after closing their um, their mobile division, well, they're pushing their semiconductor division, mainly camera sensors. Most of the camera sensors in phones are from Sony. Even the camera sensors in your iPhone, they are a Sony thing. They, they are made by Sony. And of course, if we say Sony, if we talk about Sony, we have to talk about PlayStation because the brand is crushing it. It's been crushing it for since, the, since its inception. And it's probably the main moneymaker of Sony worldwide. So that is it for today's episode. Um, I would say huge thank you for listening. And if you want to see more, if you want to hear more, if you want to drop a message to me, because that's a thing that uh, you can do, go on anchor.fm slash watcher talk. You can drop a message down there on the main page and you can talk to me basically. I would get back to you in the episodes. So once again, thank you for listening. And I will talk to you in the next one. Till then, have a good one.